Thank you so much, Joe. So, the message is new life, new start with Jesus in the year 2021. Because lots of people are making New Year's resolutions. And this is the most important thing that we can all do this year. This day is a new life and a new start with Jesus. If you're a non-Christian, welcome. I'm going to explain how to have a new life. If you've been a Christian for 150 years, welcome. Let's start again like we've never been um, on this road before with a new vision of the Lord Jesus. Any budding artists, any children that want to draw what I'm going to say, I've got a really interesting one for you to draw to help you listen. Write down like lots of things which are bad. Um, things that you think make people cry. Things that maybe you've done to someone that's made them cry or things that make you sad or breaking some rules that you know you shouldn't break. Just write them all down. High on the page, things which are just naughty. And then draw an arrow from them all down to a man on a cross. Because that's the heart of my message. That will be a fun one. I'll be interested to see what some of you do. I got, I got some questions for us all. Some honest ones. I wonder if you feel you've gone too far in life to ever have a new start. I wonder if you feel you've broken too many people's hearts or that your heart has been broken one too many times. I wonder if you think, I've sinned too much. There's no chance for me. I'm just going to carry on down this path until I die. I wonder if you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders as we start 2021. I wonder if you think, I've just hurt too many times people and God. Well, the news today is, it's quite a simple one from me, is it's this. This church is for you, and Jesus Christ is for you right now in our mess, in our sin, in our failures and addictions and distractions. We can have new life this day. I want to talk to the worst, most messed up Wicked person on planet earth. Jesus is for you this day. Today, people like me, as bad as me, can find refuge and a new life and a new start in Jesus. And he doesn't brush all of our problems away. He confronts them and deals with them. That's why it's glorious. This isn't fake. This actually connects with the grit of life that people like you and me go through. Now, try and focus on this bit, because I want to teach us something about world history, and it's really important, and it's mentioned in the Bible. There's a promise that God makes to everyone on planet Earth, um, and the church gets it, and the church enjoys it and lives it out. And we want other people to come and join in the promise that God makes. And the promise that God makes is <clears throat> how to have new life. God life. Spiritual life. Without burdens. With forgiveness. And peace. 
And God, before he even made the world, made a promise on how that happens. And if you want homework, you can read Hebrews chapter 13 later, because it sums up this everlasting promise of how to have new life. And it's essentially this. God rescues people through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again for sinners. And if we trust Jesus, follow Jesus, we have life. And there's no other way to have proper new life and actual effective forgiveness and peace than that. And that is called the everlasting promise. Or the fancy word in the Bible is the everlasting covenant. It runs from eternity past and will go on forever. It's that Jesus is Lord and that he is life. And in the Bible, God gave that promise to Abraham and Abraham taught it to other people. And if you want more homework, read Romans chapter 4 and 5. It's all about how Abraham had faith in Jesus and enjoyed life. Okay? Now then, concentrate on this bit. A little bit further in past Abraham, the church has been so badly behaved and has forgotten how to enjoy God and be rescued and saved from sin, that God gives another promise to another chap, and his name begins with an M. He's, he's probably my favorite character in the Bible. His name is Moses. Oh, my mic sounds like it's just gone off. <clears throat> it hasn't gone off. And God gave another promise to Moses. And that one was called the Old Covenant. The Old Promise given to Moses. And I'm going to tell you what that promise was in a minute. But I want you to understand this. The everlasting promise was still effective and running. But God put another promise to Moses on top of the eternal promise. And they had to behave in a certain way with Moses in the ancient church, which showed off what God's everlasting promise was all about. You're like, what on earth are you talking about, Owen? All right, I'll explain it. God's promise to Moses and how church needed to behave for a while was called the Mosaic or Moses promise. Or in other words, the law. It's time for a period called the law. And the promise was this. God pretty much said to Moses, look, for the next 1,500 years, you as a church are going to have to act out how people have new life. You're going to have to act out in your promise, in your covenant, in your little period, what the everlasting covenant is. For the next time, uh, for the next period of time, you're going to have to do an arts and crafts display to the watching world on how people get rescued when their lives are a mess. And the everlasting covenant, which was running underneath all of that, is trust Jesus 
be saved by Jesus. So the Moses time of law was basically an interactive multimedia display for a period of time on how God rescues people and gives them new life. How people with burdens and sins get rescued by God. The little Moses period of promise was, we've got to act this out in lots of different ways. Now that was the most complicated bit of the sermon. The everlasting promise, but for a period of time stuck on top of that, and to display that was this old covenant. It's newer than the everlasting one, but we call it old, because I'm going to get to something else in a bit. And it's actually called like a school teacher time. That's what the book of Galatians calls the time of Moses. It was like a school teacher doing an arts and crafts display about how wonderful Jesus was. If you cracked that, you've grasped the whole message of the Bible. So, um, it was basically this. Let's display what's going on inside. We've got problems inside us. We're a mess. We need to be saved. Now we've got to display it in physical ways. Now, we still do this today. If, if we feel or go through something inside, we show it on the outside. That's what the church had to do. And I did some Googling, and I was a bit naughty, and I Googled five signs that a woman is angry with you. So a woman might feel something inside. According to this website, she will show it, she will show what's underneath by doing certain things. Now here comes an incredibly sexist list. And I'm not telling you what website it was. I'm just passing it on. But apparently, if a woman is angry with you, number one, she answers only in monosyllables. All right, I'll let you think about that. Number two, her tone has changed. So something's off, she's angry. And, and it starts to show. With words and tone. Next one. She is sweet to everyone else but you. The cameraman's grimacing. Uh, she has done... Uh, th this one is the, <laughs> the most offensive one. I'm not going to tell you the website because you're going to write to them. She hasn't done much housework. Can you believe that? <laughs> Can you believe that list, Joe? Joe is livid. Um, and last, she rolls her eyes a lot. So there you are, men. That's how you apparently know a woman is angry with you. Opinions are not my own. Oh, wait. Yeah. Right. Then I googled, signs a man is in love with you. So women, if you're wondering if the man of your dreams is in love with you, apparently it shows in the following ways. The way he looks at you. Next, he wants to give presents to you. Next, he treats you like a priority. Next, he really sees you. I didn't understand what that one meant. He really sees you. But maybe I'm starting to understand it a bit. Next, your happiness is more important to him than his own. I was like, dude, that's just a Christian. That doesn't mean a man's in love with you. We're all supposed to be like that. And then two more, he misses you when you're apart. And the last one, and I still don't know what this one means. I'm going to have to ask Rita when I get home. You don't worry how 
he feels, you just know. I don't know what that means. And nobody else in this room does he you do? Joe knows you don't you don't know how he feels, you just know. Right. You can email us if you've figured that one out. And basically, though, both lists are saying the same thing. What goes on inside shows on the outside. And we're about to come to the Bible reading for the last part of this message, which is the Moses church showing on the outside how to get fixed on the inside. These things show. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, we are fractured from God. We are, as a world, fallen, sinful, and we have signs like illnesses and rotting, and we sin and we fall out in marriages and even in churches, and we can hurt each other. These are all physical signs that something is wrong with the world and inside us. Um, and the Moses church shows how to fix all of that. So I'm coming back to my initial question. Do you need new life and a new start in 2021? In the Moses time, here's how they showed it. They had priests who were acting out the role of Jesus and what Jesus does. And Jesus connects messed up people back to the living God. He's the go-between for the messy people and the holy one, and he connects them together. So they had priests. They had washing of walls. Because even if you had mildew or mold on your walls, they're like, get rid of that stuff. We're not about mildew and mold. That's all rotten stuff. We're about new life. Get rid of the mold. So in the time of Moses, they were obsessed with getting rid of mold on the walls even, because that's a physical display of how messed up and fallen the world is. Hey, I don't know if you're cleaning your house in January, because you know that's what we do in January. When you get to behind the fridge, and it's that black, gooey stuff, stop and think, oh my goodness, this world is so fallen. What's mold doing here? Get rid of it. We can't have that. We're Christians. We're about life. Isn't it funny? There's chapters in the Bible about how to clean your house properly because of that reason. And then um, there was one whopper as we wrap all this up. One whopper of an indicator that we're all messed up. We're all broken and we all need to be connected back to God. And it was what Joe read in Leviticus 14. It's also in 13 if you want to read it. And it was skin disease. So the ancient church, most translations call it leprosy. It probably was leprosy. Just read Leviticus 13 later today. It's class reading. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. If you had leprosy where your skin gets all flaky and sort of falls apart, you have to stand there and shout, Unclean! 
unclean, I'm unclean, I need to be rescued. And you were like this physical picture of everything that's wrong in planet earth. And the church said, out you go. You've got to leave us for a while. Go outside where we live. You can't be with us. Because the living God is with us. And we, we can't have sin and brokenness in his presence. So out they went. But here's the thing. It wasn't out you go, there's no hope for you. There's, it was out you go and we're going to help you. There's an answer to our problem. To your problem on all of our problems. Out you go, but you'll be back. There is an answer. So I'm talking to people with leprosy today in 2021. People who know there's something amiss and you're broken inside. People who are wondering, life just isn't what I thought it was going to be and I'm not what I thought I was going to be. I've got this like leprosy, this rot in me. I need to be rescued. So it's all of us this morning crying out like the leper who had to go outside for a while and realize he was broken. We're all crying out, how do we have a new start? And Joe flagged up three things in the reading. I'm just going to rattle them off as we close. How do we get new life when we've got problems? The answer, well, it was three amazing ways. The first one was this. In the Moses time, in order to show off life in Jesus, the priest of the church went outside to join the messed up person in his mess. He went there. That's verses 2 and 3. You can read it again later. That's the beginning of hope. The great high priest came and joined me where I was as a wretch. He joins the liars. He joins people who idolize money more than the living God. He joins thieves. He joins children who are disobedient to parents. And we should be outside of where God lives. But the priest comes and joins us. And the priest fixed the people and brought them back in. Many people in 2021 give up on sinners. Social media is full of people pointing the finger at sinners and murdering them with words. It's almost like to deflect people looking at me and my sins. I'm just going to put it on someone else. There's so much hate in social media. For outsiders with Christianity, the priest goes and joins them. Goes and joins them where they're at to help them and heal them and change them. So that's the first thing the priest goes to them. The second was, for messed up, unclean people who need a new start, the priest sheds blood. The priest sheds blood. Ladies and gentlemen, for true forgiveness, cleansing, and healing, blood must be shed. Sin is so powerful and such a disgrace to the living God and to true life, there must be blood shed. It's too serious. 
See, Christianity doesn't offer like the hippie type love. As I reread the history of hippie love, there's just not enough blood on the floor for it to be real or effective in any way. It was like sentimental slush, really. Anyone who's forgiven anyone knows there's a cost. It costs life to truly make peace and forgive. Anyone who's ever had a new start with someone they've been distanced from knows it costs. It costs the person who's forgiving something. They've got to let go of maybe their pride or their sense that they were right and they've got to forgive. It costs the person who's begging for forgiveness something. Their ego as they become vulnerable and say, I have wronged you. There's blood on the floor. It costs death for real peace. But it works. It works. And Joe read about two birds being killed. So the priest killed a bird. A sacrifice. Something dies. And then you get another bird. And the blood of the first bird goes on the second bird. And the second bird is released. And it's an interactive multimedia display. Teaching us what? Well, imagine you're that leper. You watch that second bird covered in blood fly away. What's it teaching you? It's teaching me this. My freedom costs the death of another. For me to live, something's got to die. But that thing died instead of me. And while I deserve that, my freedom like a bird is up there now free. But it's bloody. It's cost something it should be me but it wasn't me and then the most amazing and final thing happened um he freshens up after that sacrifice is made and the healing starts he freshens up and he returns on day eight back to church life looking like after he's shaved, he has to shave his hair and his eyebrows and his armpits and his legs and everything on his body. Why? Because it's an interactive multimedia display of what? The eternal promise. Let me spell it out. The guy comes back healed looking like a giant Matt Lucas you don't know who that is. Let me say it another way. The guy comes back into the camp looking like a giant newborn baby. Doesn't he? He's completely bald. He's got no hair anyway. What's the message? I've been born again. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I have a fresh start. The priest and the sacrifice has healed me. I'm a giant newborn baby. All of my problems have been sorted. And that's the message from God to the world. Come to the priest and his sacrifice and you shall be born again. And if you stuff up tomorrow, the ancient church adds loads of sacrifices of hope for you there as well. Just as they did, so do we. We believe this. Come to the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and you will live.
Jesus meets us in our depravity. Jesus dies for us the death we deserve for being unholy. Jesus cleanses us with his blood shed on a cross. And with his resurrection and ascension, he shares his new life, the God life, the life we all need with us. Joe mentioned the story of Jesus and the leper. And what a surprise. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 as I close. And so Jesus suffered outside the city to make people holy through his blood. Jesus didn't need to do birds to heal that leper. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus suffered at Calvary outside where the messy people are to bring them in. Do you want new life? Stop saying, I can't forgive myself. The problem with that is, that's another way of saying, even though Jesus forgives me in 2021, there's a God above Jesus whose opinions matter more than Jesus's, and it's mine. Stop it. Stop saying you can't forgive yourself. Stop saying there's no hope. The sacrifice has been paid. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He moves to you in your sin. He carries your fatal disease to the cross. He is risen for you. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we all say, Lord, make us clean again this day. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Heal me in my soul. And even if you're willing, heal me in my body now. But you're even going to sort that out one day too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Amen. We're going to close by singing one of the greatest hymns ever written by William Vernon Hyam. I saw a new vision of Jesus.